But Michelle, you know, I can tell you firsthand that today you're going to move from the fast lane into memory lane, especially when Sharice gives her remarks, considering you all have known each other since officer indoctrination school. So buckle up, shipmate. I can't <laughs> wait because I'm sure this is going to be fascinating. <laughs> And it's a tribute to you that so many family members, friends, and fellow shipmates are here to celebrate your transition. Admiral Bern Clark, former Chief of Naval Operations, once remarked, changes of command are for the command. When we do retirements, they're for the family. And so we're honored to have Michelle's family with us today. It's important for us to thank all of you for your service in support of Michelle's career. None of us in uniform could do what we do without the love and support of our families. And so today, this ceremony is really for all of you. So I hope you can sit back, relax, and enjoy today. The United States Navy has one of the most unique retirement ceremonies when compared to other branches of the armed forces. The ceremony is reflective of the culture the sailor has lived throughout a career, and it celebrates a life that most people really can't comprehend. A life where you work alongside shipmates, not coworkers, and a life that has traveled to latitudes and longitudes most people only see on National Geographic. <laughs> and a Navy retirement celebrates a life of sacrifice, made up of missed birthdays, holidays, and lost family moments due to deployments and other obligations. It celebrates the sacrifices of a Navy spouse who was both mother and father and took care of everything, often for months at a time. Today, we celebrate the career and accomplishments of a Naval officer who has faithfully served her country for 25 years. Michelle's career has been distinguished by a vast spectrum of jobs. And while she might argue she has done nothing special, the rest of us know how wonderfully she has influenced each of our lives. I would venture to say every person here today could point out a place or time where Michelle had a positive impact. I doubt anyone would have known the path that Michelle's career would take when she first entered the Navy but here she is today in 2022, retiring at the top of her profession and as someone who is deeply admired by those with which she has served. Mm. I first met Michelle in 2012 when I reported to Naval Hospital Jacksonville as the commanding officer. It was clear to me from day one of taking command that Michelle embodied the three qualities we expect of a Naval officer, character, commitment, and professional competence. My only regret was that I didn't get to serve with Michelle for very long, as she was due to rotate overseas shortly after my arrival. From the beginning of Michelle's career, she has continually applied new brushstrokes to her knowledge and skills. Her career has been marked by a progression of difficult assignments and intense study a masterpiece of professional competence that is still in progress, still in motion. And because of these qualities, she inspires us all. And in case you didn't know, Michelle, 
I'm one of your biggest fans. Mm. Today, the international landscape and the United States Navy look dramatically different than when Michelle's career first began. But the one thing that remains the same throughout these changes is the Navy's need for officers like Michelle, officers who seek out the tough jobs no matter where they are. She's a wonderful example of what one can become with hard work under the guidance of proper ethics and values. Michelle, throughout your career, you have never just filled the space. You have given your all to transform the people and the organization you have represented for the better. Thank you, shipmate, for giving 25 years to our Navy and our nation. Baseball executive and Hall of Famer Branch Rickey said, it is not the honor you take with you, but the heritage you leave behind. And Michelle, the heritage you leave behind is indeed a great one. At the end of today's ceremony, as we pipe you over the side, please know you leave a lasting legacy that will endure in those you mentored, trained, and guided. You will be deeply missed, but we wish you the best as you open this new chapter. On behalf of Navy Medicine and everyone here today, I extend the Navy's time-honored wishes to you and your family. Fair winds and following seas. God bless you and your family in the days and years ahead. I love you, Shipman.
In, attempt, and in addition to the Defense Maritime Research Medal, Captain Lewis has received congratulatory letters uh, from Presidents Obama and President Biden. Thank you. You may be seated. Captain Kelly L. Moore, Medical Corps, United States Navy, Chief of Staff of Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, says that we now present a certificate of appreciation to Captain Lewis' husband, children, parents, and sister on behalf of Navy Medical Register Training. Please feel free to take pictures. This is a moment that the retiree loves to <laughs> <laughs> Use flash, please. The certificate reads as follows To all whom shall see these prisoners, greet. This is to certify that Moses, Ezra, Esther, and Ezekiel, Mr. Donald, and Dr. Patricia Ferdinand. Ms. Andrea Parker, and have earned grateful appreciation for their unselfish, faithful, and devoted service during their, their wife's mother's, daughter, and sister's neighbor's career. Their unfailing support and understanding helped to make possible their lasting contribution to our nation. Given this day, first day of September 2022, Captain DT of Bonham, United States Navy.
Captain Lou was submitted gifts, certificates, and flowers to her family. Again, please feel free to take pictures.
with loyalty. Oh my God, I'm from Farahway. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> so, you know, she's at Brown. I'm at the University of Pennsylvania, and I'm thinking, but she's a year ahead of me. I'm never going to see this woman again. So we meet, you know, OIS is six weeks. I'm thinking, never going to see her again. Unbeknownst to me, it turns out when we were fourth year medical students, we ended up rotating at Naval Medical Center Portsmouth. So I'm like, oh, okay, there she is again. <laughs> I'm never going to see her again. She's going to San Diego. I'm probably coming here. Internship starts, and we're interns together. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> never going to see her again. She wants to do head and neck surgery. She's dead set on San Diego. I'm probably going to stay here. She's doing a one year GMO tour. We're going to, and I'm just calculating in my mind, I'm never going to see this woman again. And two months after internship starts, we're on the neurosurgery rotation together. <laughs> wow, okay, all right, it's cool. But that rotation was pivotal to our careers in so many ways because on Tuesday, September 11th, we argued about who had to go to the OR with one particular neurosurgeon. And I, I drew the short straw. And I ended up in the OR with him for eight hours. Mm. And I come out and Michelle was just distraught. She's like, I can't find my dad. I don't know where he is. I'm like, go home. She's like, what? I'm like, neither one of us want to be neurosurgeons. Go home. But that, that kind of kicked off our careers together because despite me thinking I was never going to see her again, you know, we spent that year as two black women who were surgery interns getting confused for each other. Mm. Even though we had so much alike. Sister. But it was fine. She does her one-year GMO tour, I do my two-year tour, I come back to Portsmouth, I'm walking in the parking garage and waddling out, she was pregnant, comes Michelle again, and I'm like, oh my god. And so, now we're residents together in two completely different departments, and for four more years, I was called Dr. Now Lou, and she's called Dr. White, despite us looking so similar. <laughs> and, uh, okay, fine, we don't look anything alike. And then, okay, she graduates from residency, I graduate from residency, we're chief residents together, and, um, Multiple times in our careers, we took pictures together to prove that we were two different people. <laughs> she goes and does her staff life. I do fellowship. I deploy. We both now at Fort Belvoir. I get a phone call. There's somebody at the front desk that wants to give you a hug, and I'm like, call security. <laughs> and I go out there, and it's Michelle. And I'm like, oh my god, our paths cross again. So we spent how long were we at Belvoir? Four years. Four years. Me being called Doctor Lou. <laughs> and at which point I'm thinking this is getting old, but all of that to say, it highlights what it was like to be Michelle. I think for a lot of people, you were really on the outside looking in. I have been fortunate, or unfortunate, however you want to put it, as being on the inside looking out. And being called Dr. Luke, even though I look nothing like her, is just something you have to deal with. Her being called Dr. White, even though she's on the opposite side of the operating room. It's just something she has to deal with. And she did it with a grace and a poise that admittedly I liked. And that's okay for a lot of those aspects that she had about her. I looked up to her even though she was only five to three. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I went to her for some mentorship, but then it became pretty quickly as we got more senior in our careers that the advice she was giving me was advice she probably heard, but probably wasn't going to work because she got it from someone I didn't look like. And it worked for her to a point, it didn't work for me at all. And um, because it's just different being us. 
in a field where no one was mm. And that's a painful truth that a lot of people don't want to admit, but I'm not afraid to mention it. And I think that's part of why she chose me, because I say it. Um, despite it all, we thrive. She's been here now 25 years. I got two more. <laughs> but her road was lonely. Despite the fact that this room was filled with people who love her, uh, myself included, being a black woman and being a surgeon is a lonely experience mm -hmm. because you don't have anyone. Mm -hmm. And I was so grateful to have Michelle during internship and residency and the staff because I knew that even if my department meetings looked like whatever they looked like, I knew I wasn't alone because I had Michelle. Even if she was on the opposite end of the hospital, I had her. And um, she was there for me at the time. She doesn't even realize where I needed someone to be somewhere where I could just exhale and be me. And I hope that I was there for her in those same places. Um, because it's tough. It's lonely. You're gaslighted. Mm. You're told that what you perceive is not really happening. But it is. To have practice partners that you trust say things to you that I can't imagine it to say to someone who didn't look like you. And to have to tolerate it all with a smile. And to if you have the audacity to say something, to have it blow back on you in a way that you just can't even imagine. Oh. And she handled it all with a dignity and grace and a poise that I definitely lack. And so for all of that, I would just like to say that she so proud of you and you for being my person a little past 25 years. And I am just so honored that you picked me to be your keynote speaker. And I wish you the best.
It's for me to say thank you to all of you. And so I'm gonna take my time because I have a lot of people to thank. And then I have a little message at the end. I'd like to say thank you first to Rear Admiral Gail Schaefer for being here um, to preside over this ceremony. As she mentioned, I was impressed that she told that short story about how we met. That has left a lasting uh, mark on my heart. And, you know, it was, I think it was the last exit interview I've ever done, and that was 10 years ago. Mm. <laughs> and she was just coming on board as a commanding officer. So a lot of people go to their exit interviews with complaints, right? Or things they would like to change. They want to leave some message to the command. You could do this better. I don't remember having any complaints. I loved Jacksonville, by the way. But I, I remember what she said to me to this day. I had just been selected for commander, and she said, Michelle, just keep going. You probably say that all the time. <laughs> no, there are some people that should not keep going. <laughs> continue. 
Thank you. Mr. Stephen Carter-Hicks, your voice. Mr. Deuteronomy. Chaplain Griffin, we also have met, and they're not, again, not a lot of African-American 06 Navy chaplains. Thank you for representing. I think the first one was in the 70s, actually. Um, so you leave a legacy as well, soon to be retired, but enjoy your last few months. Thank you for being here and for that wonderful prayer. And if you, if you don't notice, some of you have hard copy programs. There's also a QR code. So I'm, I'm actually going through the program so that I don't forget anyone. Dr. Joni Rainey and my lovely flag detail. What a fantastic rendition of Old Glory. It's actually my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, where was I? Um, Henry, Commander Henry Lang played that beautiful saxophone. And there's one song I think I heard, Never Would Have Made It. Mm. I, I specifically requested that. I heard him play it, it's on YouTube, Henry Lang. Thank you. I never would have made it without mm. my Lord and many of your prayers. Um, I have a lot of members of my church family here. I'm looking at all of you. I'm going to call out Christina Lee. Drove me to work every day after I had an injury to my eye. Wow. Because I didn't drive. She drove me to work every day. Wow. Yep. That's just one example. But all of you here that I'm looking at uh, who have prayed my family through, prayed us into this uh, national capital region from overseas when we were at our lowest point. Thank you. Amen. So, I think I covered some, most of the people in the program. I'm sorry if I missed anyone. Oh, Claudia. Lieutenant Mondragon. You will, you'll see her later, but uh, I want to mention before you see her that she is a new trainee in otolaryngology at the Naval Medical Center Portsmouth. And that's the significance of her being here today. I'm so proud of you and your colleague over there, Polara, you're going to do great. You are the legacy uh, that will continue. So you may have noticed I, my family, I haven't mentioned. <laughs> of course, I love my family, saw us, recognize them. Um, we have been through a lot. I will call out my parents, of course, uh, who supported me in everything I wanted to do, including join the Navy. When I mentioned the Navy to them, I was finishing my undergrad years at Brown, and my mom, one question was, which she still asks, are you going to have to deploy? <laughs> she probably asked that until September 1st when I retire. Are you going to have to deploy? <laughs> but, you know, they never um, stopped me from doing what I dreamt of doing, and I appreciate that. I, joining the Navy was a little bit of a sporadic introduction at the latter part of my undergraduate years. I met a recruiter and it sounded like a great deal and it has been a great deal, it really has. So I thank you for allowing me to join the Navy. I thank you for listening to me, my mom in particular, on a daily basis. Talks me through some of the hardest times. To work, from work, we pray together. She has her own little prayer group. She like, <laughs> lights the prayer circuits for me, on my behalf, for my children, for my husband. Thank you, Mom. Mm -hmm. My husband, another prayer warrior. Actually, I married him because, well, that's not the only reason. But <laughs> he's like, that's it? <laughs> but that's not it. I mean, right? I, uh, Moses and I go back to, we disagree on where we go back to, but elementary school. Okay, we grew up in church together. Sunday school, youth group, whatever you want to call it. 
and he was my best friend and we could pray together and that has carried us through you know the navy is very symbolic right you have rough seas you have calm seas um so my husband and i have navigated our course through prayer it's not insignificant and we will continue and to my children, Ezra, 17, tolerating my 3 a.m. text messages. What about Northeastern? Mom, it's 3 a.m. <laughs> I'm sleeping. I had Ezra at the beginning of my residency, and some of the dear saints, church members, Peggy could not be here, but her daughter Rebecca is here. Uh, that's Ezra's Mima. She held him on days where I couldn't be there because I was a surgery intern or resident. Moses couldn't be there because he was working. Here you go, Peggy, Ezra. <laughs> but Ezra has grown. He's going off to college, and he's been very supportive. He's, he's my tough love guy. Mom, you got this. Oh. Thank you, Esther. <laughs> Another tough love girl. Many of you know her story. She she constantly reminds me that her story is all over Facebook. Why, Mom? Not another picture on Facebook. But just know it's because we all love you and we are fighting with you. And Ziki. He's my uh, theatrical, we call him Sneaky Ziki. <laughs> he gives the best hugs. And again, uh, on my bad hair days, I look at Facebook because that's another thing we relate to. <laughs> he looks at me and says, Mom, you are beautiful. Mm. Oh, thank you. So, there are many of you I see out there, and I cannot call out name by name. I see one of my, I'm going to tell people you're my patient. I see I'm looking at you. My die hard, you know, I walk in, or I see her on the list, and I say, yes, I'm waiting for her to come in. Thank you. Lisa. Um, I see uh, my quality crew from Fort Belvoir. It has been a few years since, yes, raising your hand. It has been a few years since we've been together. We run into each other. Uh, we follow each other on Facebook. I think that's Terry, is that you, Terry? That's right. Terry would walk into my office. You know, when you do quality management, especially as a surgeon, there are a lot of um, haters come to my mind, but I'll just <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Pearson is there, you know, smiling. Getting your point across, you know, this is for the patients. Uh, yes, we are surgeons. Yes, we have our agenda, but the patient is the center, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to give you my, get on my quality soapbox, but it's challenging. And so uh, there were late nights where Terry and others, when I was at Belvoir, would come into my office and just wrap their arms around me. And I needed that. And same with the Walter, uh, Walter Reed quality department. You know, quality has been, as you can see in my bio, a big part of the last 10 years of my life, and part of that is because what I have gone through with my own daughter. So, um, 
Thank you for all of your support. And I see you too, Jamie Song. Uh, those of us who've been in leadership, hospital leadership in particular, know how challenging it is. I'm looking at Captain Beer, Captain Elmore. You know, we are, our ship is the hospital. We are fighting for the ship. We don't want the ship to sink, right? Um, and it's a daily, daily battle. So, I, I want to say my parting words, I still have 30 minutes, right? <laughs> I want to mention the word pivot. Mm. The word pivot is what came to me as I first began preparing this speech. And I thought about uh, three major times when I had to pivot. You know, pivot can be applied to sports, you know, like every you play basketball, you pivot. Um, you know, it can be applied to the flag detail when you're doing an about face, left or right face, you pivot. Now there's one foot that needs to be on the ground. You have to have a foundation in order to pivot, otherwise you're gonna fall. Mm. So, as you probably have guessed, my foundation is my faith, which goes back to my childhood. And without that, for any of you in the audience who might be going through something, could be a health condition, it could be a relationship issue, work issue, whatever it is, you know. You need to have a solid foundation so that you can pivot. You have to have a strong leg to stand on. And so the first time, major time, I remember pivoting was when I was in medical school. I had my heart set on family medicine. And I see Dr. Andrea Bird. I'm sorry, Dr. Andrea Anderson, whichever one you want to call me, <laughs> was my college companion, med school roommate. I mean, we go way back. And uh, we were headed for primary care to together. She has many accolades um, in family medicine. And at the end of my third year, I was in a dilemma because I decided I was not gonna do family medicine, but it was the 11th hour. And I had fallen in love with surgery, which I left for the end of my third year of medical school. So I was in a tough spot, really. And thankfully, I had a full year when I did my Master of Public Health to think about how I was going to pivot, transition into a surgical career, which I did successfully. So that was a choice. That was a choice I made, and I was prepared to pivot in that situation. But the next two occasions were more challenging. So the first was 20 years ago. The second occasion was 10 years ago, when in 2012, uh, my family was in Europe, and we'd only been there for three months and we had a medical, serious medical situation happen with Esther, and we had to pivot. Unexpected, major change in our family. We returned here, and actually my choice was to go to Jacksonville, and I'm sure Admiral Schaefer 
remember some of the discussions and negotiations that had to happen if Jacksonville would be suitable to receive our family. And I still meet people who on the Italy side made it happen, not to Jacksonville, but made this whole transfer to the Mid-Atlantic happen for our family. Many of you were in, in the church, were involved in the prayers that brought us here. That was a major unexpected pivot. And as I've explained, it was our faith and the resiliency through our faith that got us through. And we're here today. Mm. I would never have imagined, imagined at that time going through what we went through that we would be here today. Mm. And the last one, also difficult, was five years ago. And this was a professional pivot, again. Unexpected, I was sure I was gonna retire out of Fort Belvoir and just keep extending. And <laughs> some of you in the Navy, right? You think, you think you're gonna get the next set of orders to your desired place because, hey, you're an 06, right? Or, you know, senior officer, but surprise, you're not. <laughs> And you have to pivot, you have to adjust. And thankfully, I, our family did not have to move. I commend Ezra, he was like, ready to go. He's gone to nine or 10 schools in his short educational career. They were always ready to pivot. And uh, my pivot was to Walter Reed, and I'm so thankful I did. I would never have gotten to work with Dr. Felicia Pearson sitting here. Um, I learned so much from you and from this whole team. Master Johnson is trying to be high now. Oh, there you are, <laughs> behind the showcase. <laughs> our, our team, our triad, our leadership triad, um, so special. Such a great way to finish my career in the Navy. And even though they're both Army, so we shared a lot of uh, differences in our communication styles and just leadership styles, but what a way to learn and grow at Walter Reed. I would not have wanted it any other way, but it was not my choice. So again, an unexpected, unchosen pivot that really was a blessing to me. So those are my three examples. And um, as I pivot into retirement, hey from the Navy, but I will continue to work as a civilian ENT and hopefully continue in leadership. Um, I also want to mention uh, Ms. Jamie Lucas, who is sitting over there, uh, is, is a leader in the American Otolaryngic Academy that I, uh, I really credit her when I was in Italy trying to get back and do this fellowship. And there's so much going on personally she gave me a lot of grace and has given me a lot of opportunities on a national level. Mm. Um, so that's my pivot. You know, you, you have to see the opportunities, where you're going to pass the ball, where you're going to run, and you just keep going. Don't stop. Mm. Um, so finally, I have probably two minutes left. I want to read a couple of verses that... I hope some of you will remember, if you don't remember anything else. Romans 8, 28. And we know, okay, repeat. We know. That all things. That all things. Work together for good. Work together for good. Amen. That's all I'll have to repeat. I'll read the rest. 
<laughs> For the, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Mm. So that verse uh, has been what I'm reminded of when you have that situation where you have to pivot, you have to remember, you know that all things, all even things. these negative, seemingly negative circumstances will work together for good. Amen. And what is the good? The good is whatever you get out of it or whatever the church gets out of it or whatever your community gets out of it, what you go through gets reflected into those around you, prepares you to support others. Mm. So that is the good. And I do believe I've been called according to his purpose. So his purpose is much higher than mine. His purpose is much more than me being a surgeon or me being a mom. Those are great things. But I, I have been called according to his purpose. So I, I will continue to remember that. And the last few verses, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, always rejoice. Always, always rejoice. rejoice. 17, unceasingly pray. Unceasingly pray. For those of you who would like to remember that. And 18, in everything give thanks. In everything yeah. give thanks. I thank you all for being here. And I look forward to greeting you when this is over. Thank you for listening.